And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course. And it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. And we continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope. And we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX-11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX-10 now on sale and get RX-11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, you two. I don't get to say you two very often. It's nice to talk to two people. What's happening? Oh, we're just hanging out in Portland. You're in Portland? Yeah. Heard of it? Yeah, I used to live there. What's it like now? I haven't been there in over a year. Mm, it's very exciting. I've heard it's like 90s Portland. It's actually less charming than 90s Portland. Brian got his gas siphoned, what, two days ago? Yeah. <clears throat> from his van? It's kind of the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, it's, it's a weekly or even a daily excitement. Mm -hmm. Is there a catalytic converter theft We had that there, stolen too. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to a, hear that happening live. We had our that stolen, and then we got to watch a neighbor's get stolen. Really? It is, it's really weird. Very loud. How long does it yeah. take them to do that? Not very long, we like about, two minutes? Not even that, yeah. Probably did it in under 60 seconds. I mean, it's the loudest thing you've ever it's, heard. Yeah, why? Yeah. I'm very interested in this. <laughs> it, it woke us up. It was just the loudest thing you'd ever heard, and I'm like in a dead sleep and you're like why is somebody doing construction yeah at three in the morning and then you look out the window and there's like i think they're stealing his catalytic converter <laughs> and this guy's under there and you see bright lights and sparks and grinding i think gets out and jumps in his car and oh, peels so they have to have like a little metal saw yeah yeah yes. like a steel grinder saw and it's cordless you know and they just get get under there and they just do what they got to do. And by the time people wake up and realize what's going on, it's too late. It's so fast. And then there's like a getaway driver. Wow. So there's the guy that gets under the cars, which seems really vulnerable. I think that's what's interesting to me about it is sliding under a car seems like a pretty vulnerable thing to do. Right. Yeah. You're kind of trapped under 
a couple tons of metal. Yeah. And but and if the owner comes out, they're not scared. Yeah. Yeah. You're trapped under you're a car trapped. still. And if there's two owners <laughs> on either side of you, you can't get out. Yes. Well, it was in front of our neighbors. Uh, it's called the Peace House. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a it's it's they call themselves a church, but it's you know kind of a a new age peace house. I don't. I'm not really sure what they would have done. Right. They're pacifists. Yeah. This is, yeah. They would have hugged the guy. I think. <laughs> Just take it. <laughs> Giving him some socks. Yeah. Did you both grow up in the uh, rock and roll Northwest scene? No, I'm from Nebraska. Oh yeah. Omaha. That's right. Which is its own rock and roll scene. That's right. Like who? My brother and I grew up about two blocks from Connor Oberst, and they were friends when they were kids. Oh. So we know the Obersts pretty well. And so like that. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Are you a Northwester? Yeah, I'm from Tacoma. Oh. Yeah. And uh, my dad was in a 60s Tacoma band on Etiquette Records. So I kind of grew up with that. Wow. Whole... Which one? Uh, they're called the, the one that no one knows. They're called the <laughs> Galaxies. Yeah. And people often know them from the Christmas record. There's the Sonics Whalers Galaxies Christmas record. Oh, okay. On Etiquette Records, and that's slightly famous. So, um, but yeah, they're the band that doesn't get mentioned. But that's fine. It seems like something Mark Arm should do. He probably knows exactly who they are. Oh, yeah. I've met quite a few people who know all about it. But, um, in fact, that's like how I met Peter Buck one night. We were playing a Christmas show at the Crocodile, and uh, we played a cover of my dad's song, and... He came up and introduced himself and said, yeah, I was just listening to that record. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did you both grow up playing music, you know, as kids? I grew up playing, uh, I grew up playing Suzuki violin. My brother and I both did that. So that's the kind of music I played. And then I didn't play music until my like mid twenties, but Brian always did. Well, yeah, I mean, my dad was a cellist, and um, so my sister and I, my sister played uh, pretty seriously, and then I played cello for Suzuki as well oh. for three months in the third grade. And after my three-month cello experience, I'm like, I just want to rock. And yeah. so, you know, I kind of idolized my dad's rock band, so it took me a few years to, I think about sixth grade, I'm like, let's start a band, you know, with my friends. And we did. So we started a band in like seventh grade. Do you remember the band name? I like kids' band names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an archivist, so I, I not only remember the name, but I have all the original. I have recordings from our uh, first, one of our first band practices. Really? Some of our first original songs. Um, yeah, I've got it all, man. And then, you know, um, that's about seventh grade. In the eighth grade, I got a four-track, one of the very first four-track cassette recorders, a Fostex X15, and started multi-tracking. And, you know, one of the first things I did was record the band so i have we made an album you know all of our original songs so we played all originals we didn't uh, do covers i have all of it i have all the recordings we've, we've ever done and i started multi-tracking my own like solo records in eighth, eighth grade too so you know the first one i think was best of brian nobert the second record was brian nobert does it again and then so on and so on so i would oh, just man. make these albums which were like confidence were a whole side of a cassette tape and um you know so 10 15 songs per album and i i mean that's i never stopped i pretty much made 
solo albums um, <laughs> my whole life. And then so whatever band I was in, we would do the same thing. We would make a, a, an album, which was just, you know, 10 songs on a on a cassette tape. So yeah. after Shell Shock, by the way, was the name of the, of oh, the first band. Okay. Yeah. I got I have I have silkscreen t-shirts, posters, all kinds of stuff. I have You still have the t-shirts? Yeah, actually. I have a I photo. I don't that. have a t-shirt. I have my second band. I do have actual t-shirts from that. What's that band called, Brian? <laughs> uh Yellow Snow. Yeah, that's the famous Yellow Snow. <laughs> Which cut like 10 records? We did Is that 10 right? albums, yeah. 10 albums Yellow in Snow, two years. 1 through 10. We didn't name them. They were just 1 through 10. My Roman goodness. numerals, of course. Yes. They're, I mean, they're hilarious. Those and these, it's a, quite a journey if you were to follow Yellow Snow's trajectory and, and yeah. uh, exploration of sounds. It's pretty cool. <laughs> when we, you know, enter high school and then we start, you know, not, not being little kids anymore. Yeah, and trying to tackle serious subject matter. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I will say, Yellow. I actually think Yellow Snow is really good. Heather's our biggest fan. I am the biggest fan. I can sing all the songs, and some of them make me cry laughing. Like, they're actually good, but they're also hilarious (laughs) hearing 15-year-old boys say, like, I'm going to take you for a ride now. And it's like, okay, I'm sure you are. (laughs) (laughs) All these breakup songs about, you know, we've never had a girlfriend before, but these like, why did you screw me over and break my heart? Oh, man. They're good. There's one about shoveling snow and being mad at your dad, too. That's so good. Yeah, a lot of songs about chores. <laughs> it's true. Oh. Chore angst, yeah. <laughs> Chore angst. That is amazing. Um, Heather. Oh, here. Okay, here's, wait, yeah. here's a fun fact. Well, okay. Uh, so the song Shady Town, the first song off our record. Yeah. The, the drum beat that starts the song mm-hmm. is from a Yellow Snow song. It is from ninth grade yeah so we actually stole stole that drum beat and used it and it's it's i think it's hilarious he covered himself yeah but it's uh it's such a unique weird drum beat that no one yeah our age and our position would ever write right um i want to uh tell you now i have notes right here and what you just said uh, is going to come back in this conversation. It's very strange, that, including <laughs> specific words that you just used. Okay. Weird. Really? Yeah. Like chore angst. Chore angst uh, was predicted. Or is it chore angst? I can, we don't. Let's not guess. Let's just find out. <laughs> Get on board. Um, Heather, first band name. Azotra. Oh, right. I think. I'm so glad I didn't have to say that. I practiced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, actually. I mean, I'd like fake bands like Robin Rosenberg and I had a fake band called sister and we recorded three songs that were really funny. But, Mm -hmm. um, my first real band was my band with my brother. Cause I was too scared to do anything without somebody who couldn't kick me out of the band because I was related to him. (laughs) He couldn't Um, break up with me. That's why she's in a band with me. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being related, you guys are legally related, I guess. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right way to put it. Um, but and illegally. Oh, sweet. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either. It just sounded. It sounded yeah. like maybe yellow snow, but weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're married. It's true. Uh, um, what came first, the the song partnership or the romantic partnership? Romantic did. Um, okay. 
but we always sang in the car together. <laughs> we, we liked the same, a lot of the same music and, and we, we harmonized and, and we would just be driving along and then someone would jump on the harmony and we kind of just nail it. We look at each other and like, what the fuck, man? We just, I mean, our voices really do have kind of a similar timbre. So, yeah. um, they'd really, we both have like a slightly nasally voice that, that, and they really resonate together. They do. Um, that's and, amazing. You know, you can, you can try that is portrayed on tape, but you know, in person it's even kind of more freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, it just took us a while to actually do something. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think Brian would, Brian would say we should have a band, but I kind of thought he was joking mm-hmm. because I didn't think I would have much to contribute <laughs> to because Brian's so competent and like, I am good at certain things and really incompetent in other things musically. And so I thought I'd be super frustrating to Brian. And then I figured out he was serious. So I was like, watch me make you sorry I'm just about using, this. I'm just using her for her lyrics. Oh my God. What the, the tension. That's where, that's what it is. Um, well, uh, speaking of, uh, fruitful tension, um, yeah. We're here to talk about Bound to Be, your new record, your sophomore record, which yeah. I love. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, I'm not going to describe it. It gets a lot of power pop references, and I think that's accurate, but I think it's a lot more elaborate than that. And um, I kind of want you to tell me how this record is different than your first record, because I know both the records now, but also the sort of second fold of this question is where were you when you started writing this? What, what was the kernel? I think we just kind of assumed we're just going to keep doing it. So, um, in fact, I was just going through some old voice recordings a couple of days ago and I was looking at the timeline and realizing, okay, we're writing the first batch of, material as we're just wrapping up mixing for the first record. So we kind of never stopped. Hmm. Um, and there's, you know, so much overlap with the time it takes to finish mixing and put the album out and then promote it and all this crap. And so there's quite a bit of time that you have to go ahead and start getting the next record ready. I think our first record, you know, we had to figure out what it was about and we have a really weird story as a couple we met way before we ever were together and got together not that long ago, like seven years ago. And, but we met in 1996 and we're friends for about four years. Yeah. So I had the big crush and, uh, but it was enough that I, you know, I, you know, have a big batch of songs that I'd written about Heather so the first record, we just sort of mined that story and all of its metaphors and weird twists and turns. And then yeah. it's like, well, okay, we can't do that again. And we had just gone through this thing that the whole world went through, which is sitting terrified in your house and just kind of reckoning with also that that was going to be our reboot as a society and it didn't really work. And so we just... I think I, I guess I would say we got more metaphysical on this record and that mm-hmm. like tenseless is kind of in a way our song, it's like arrival, the movie. It's like, what if yeah, everything right. really is just simultaneously happening? And so we just got, yeah, more metaphysical on this record, but what were you really asking? That's, that's what I was 
That's what I was asking. That's yeah. Just what do you think like, I was? What do you guess? Was I trying to get at something else? What's your guess? No, that, I, I thought that might be what you were saying. It's definitely yeah. trippier. I think. I just feel like they're a lot different. And I, I mean, it just seems more elaborate and vast, it's, really. Than, than yeah, it's interesting because we're starting to that. get the comparisons down, the criticism. And um, but as I was just telling Heather the other day, we've yet to really step far enough back from these records to really know what they are. We're still pretty deep inside of them. So um, I've just started listening to the first record again. And I go, oh, oh, yeah, not only like, you know, sonically it, it's different, but... Um, I mean, to me, what was interesting about the second record is that we were thinking about how metaphysical you could be within like the construct of power pop. Like that typically right. doesn't, right? That's reserved for psychedelic music or stuff, I guess, more like yeah. Radiohead that's pushing boundaries. And so we were really trying to play with the edges of that, of how kind of psychedelic or metaphysical can you be within something that's really power pop. And, um, you know, there's some things that get weirder, like um, tenseless. We were totally mm -hmm. thinking about Lee and Nancy and no. uh, some Velvet Morning. I mean, we didn't write it that way, but it was feeling kind of Tom Petty, like Americana. And I was like, well, what? what if we listen to some Lee and Nancy and try to make it? Because to me, that's like psychedelic country. <laughs> yeah, um, It's eerie. And uh, so that was just a way of also kind of messing with, can you make something that feels Americana also metaphysical? And I think that's just kind of where we're at with the world is just like, what is this all about? I think so much of it's not conscious too. I think that, you know, we're just writing music that sounds good. Right. So <laughs> we happen to have a, a theme or a story or lyrics and a vibe and it might mix or mesh with what this song is sounding like. And it might not, I, I think we don't overthink it that much. I think a lot of what you're hearing is a product of us just kind of throwing stuff out without yeah. overanalyzing. Um, I think it's, it's a more varied record, almost to the point of kind of not having a singular focus, but I think that's fine. I think I think the variety is um, refreshing in a way. And, you know, and if it's a song you're not really into, then the next one might grab you a little bit more. Right. Currently, my favorite tune on the record is uh, Shady Town. And I'm referencing my notes right here. I have the word angst in there. <laughs> Uh, because that song, I, it, it, of course, the references take me back. Uh, but I was, I listened to it about fifty times, and I watched the video and stuff. And I was like, why, why does this make me angsty and anxious? Hmm. And I, this is weird. That I forgot about this. When I was thirteen or fourteen, I was with an older kid in a Scirocco, oh. and we rolled it. No way. And it, we slid down the road upside down. We Thankfully, we didn't get hurt. And <laughs> we were listening to Social Distortion, and it was still yeah. playing when we were upside down. <laughs> oh, my God. So that weird. is a good Anyways, story. Yeah. Uh, but so I think I, I put my finger on it and figured it out. Um, Why you felt so uneasy? <laughs> yeah. But I, I really loved the song. And... Um, Tell me your version of the the picture you painted on that. I, I love the words and the, the vocal structure is very cool too. 
Yeah, I'll um, let Heather um, speak to that. But I first want to tell you quickly the story that we both had. We didn't realize this till after we were probably even married. But, yeah, we were married. Um, talking about our high school cars, and we both drove Chiracos. You in did. High school. Which yeah. is weird. And there's not very rare. many of them out there. It's a pretty I rare know. car. Yeah. And um, for us to both have that as our like first vehicle. And they yeah. were old Chiracos. They weren't, our parents weren't buying us new Chiracos. So right. it was like, wait, you had a 1980? I had a, yeah. you know, yeah. 78. And it was like, yeah. you know, mine was all white and hers was all black. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you what color. The one we totaled was all black. And it was his dad's like fancy sport car. Oh, damn. Higher stakes, high stakes Scirocco. We had low stakes Scirocco, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is good because we crashed. We both crashed them as oh, teenagers do. Many times. Yeah. Mine actually one morning, you know, Nick, Joe, uh, my brother, Nick woke me up. Yeah. I was in high school and he was like, your Scirocco's in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. And I, my dad had just gone for a run, but had gone uphill like the oh. other way. And so it was like so lucky he had not run past my car in the neighbor's bushes. And <laughs> so I ran out and I had to like reverse it out of the bushes. I realized I had forgotten to put on the emergency brake, but um, like I hadn't drove, I, I hadn't driven it into the bushes, thank God. But I, I mean, it was one of those moments where I'm like, what happened? Because right. it didn't make any sense. But so yeah, we, I think Chiracos come like pre-storied. There's yeah, like they must. Some motherboard of stories like <laughs> preloaded, <laughs> like U two and the iPhone. That's right. <laughs> um, but what do I think the song is about? I just think, well, Joe, where did you grow up? I grew up in a very small town, there were like five thousand people by Yosemite, called Mary. Oh wow! Wow. Then okay. I moved to East Bay, and then. Finished high school in Seattle. Okay, so you'll get this. I mean, Brian's from Tacoma. I'm from mm -hmm. Omaha. And when you're a teenager, so it's like when we were driving these cars, just this feeling of like, get me out of here. And I think there's so many great songs that are written from that perspective of like, yeah, get me the fuck out of here right now. And when we wrote it, Portland was getting really scary. And we were sitting in our house watching stuff can I say curse words or no? All you want. We're watching <laughs> shit go down. God, like, balls. <laughs> from, from like our windows. And so, of course, that was giving us this feeling about like, get us the fuck out of here. But then we just started thinking about all of the stupid, fun, terrible road trips we had taken in our lives, whether it was like on tour or just with friends. And so that's really what the song is about. And um, just kind of that freedom and angst, the mix of, of freedom and angst. Yeah. And then like a weird thing we did with that song that I remember it was Brian's idea. And I was like, really? He said, like, I think that the the first verse is sing songy enough. People will get sick of it if we do the same thing, the second verse. And so I wrote like these narrative lyrics and he's like, yeah. no, no, no. Don't tell a story in the lyrics. Just make them random. And oh, so I'm so like, good. okay, so yeah, good. malt butterscotch. You mean like <laughs> pineapple? You rice, mean like I think? Yeah. yeah? So you mean nav lady botch? It's How's just that? so fun. It's a very fun <laughs> journey. That song. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you feel it. That you like yeah. tapped into its spirit. 
I'm concerned that I'm going to sound stupid for saying angst and you guys say angst. No. Oh, we, I don't, we don't actually say I think say I angst. just vacillate. <laughs> we don't actually say angst. <laughs> um, if you, for one second, questioned whether you should use the word or reference Shirako, thank you for not squandering that opportunity because <laughs> it is a great word. It's a musical word. It is. Love. We had we had tried it to be van. And right. I was like, get into the van. And Brian <laughs> said, no, you're not doing that. And I'm like, van. he's like, you can't make van like three syllables. I'm like, yes, I can. And so then I was like, fine. What about Scirocco? With that, I want to play Shady Town. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, here we go.
It's so great. That's my 51st time I've listened to that song. <laughs> At the very least. All right. I want to hear a little bit how you made this record. I have a little bit of an understanding of how you did it, but lay it on we, me. Yeah, we did it the same way we did the first record. Um, we went to Seattle. Um, the first record, we, you know, we, we always try to find a great drummer. We think that's first and foremost. So um, you went to Seattle and you, did, you lost my number? <laughs> drove right by West Seattle. We didn't know you were serious. I am serious. Okay, Anyways. well. Actually, we'll some talk. of the drum tracks on the first record were recorded in West Seattle. Oh, fucking A, that hurts. But, <laughs> um, so I have a friend, Eric Eagle, who plays the drums and uh, hadn't worked with him before, um, but I've always admired his drumming and he's just a super nice guy. So we um, asked him if he wanted to to help us out with the record. So we, Wait, um, that's record number one. Yeah. I'm just saying how we did oh. both records. Exactly the same. Okay. It's the same for the second record, except we got Musburger to do it. Um, yeah, but we tracked in the same studio in the U district with Martin Fevier. Um, it was kind of my, my go-to engineer. Do you ever call him Marty Fever? Mixer. Yeah. Marty Fever. Oh, I love that name. Yeah. Um, so I've worked with him forever. In fact, you know, it's just, he's kind of my comfort zone. Um, but thank God he does. I, I know, I knew for sure that he would get great drum sounds. Um, and that's just, it's so huge to me. I mean, the, the, the thought of going into a record with shitty drums or shitty drum sounds, yeah, it just, it freaks me out. I just, you gotta have it there as a foundation. Um, and we knew that we could reliably do that with these drummers and with this uh, engineer. So um, Martin has uh, his own studio on Vashon, which we've worked at, but um, for the drums, he's got access to a studio in the district that, that we tracked in and then took the files home and we've got enough gear at home to track the rest of the record. And that's where we really just kind of hunkered down and, you know, it takes a long time when, the two of us are playing the rest of the instruments. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then being perfectionists yeah. and, you know, especially with the vocals, having to really spend a lot of time in, up in a shitload of layers, you know, so it right. took a long time. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're busy. We've got kids and we've got jobs and uh, in trying to find the spare time to track um, was difficult. So, right. You know, and just, keep your head in it too. It's hard. I've totally. been trying to make my second solo record for like 9,000 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were tried hard. to be disciplined and, you know, okay, we're not watching movies. We're, we're just tracking, you know, we're going to spend any spare time we have um, tracking. So worked a long time on, on that component and then we um, took it back to mix. So um, the first record, which we're not talking about, we mixed with Martin in Vashon. Um, this time we mixed with Bo Sorensen mm -hmm. Um down in Oakland. Um, so he got things started in his home studio and got everything kind of dialed in. And then we uh, rented a studio down there that he works in a lot and uh, flew down there and um, spent three days just kind of doing the final polishing and nitpicking. He was great. He was like the perfect amount of pushing us and also like really listening to us. It was, That's great. It was a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it really worked out great. And he's, you know, has a lot of patience and, and really, you know, he's, you know, like any other great mixer or engineer really speaks the language, you know, he just hears all the nuances and 
it's really easy to communicate with him. And how, how do you uh, divvy up the song crafting? Do you have a, any structure or process that works best? No, we've done it a bunch of ways. Like the first record we wrote together on the couch or Adirondack chairs, <laughs> like more in tandem. And this one, because we were just going through a really busy period, we did it more separately. And Brian does a lot more of the structural writing. And then often will hand it to me to like figure out what the story is and write the vocal melody and the lyrics. Yeah. I guess now it's consistent with both records, how we write normally on an acoustic guitar um, and just have some kind of vague melody. Um, I have this little thing called my 30 day challenge, which has been very fruitful is to write any piece of a song. It could be a riff. It could be a verse, a chorus, and hopefully all three um, every day for 30 days. And cool. that really worked well for the first couple records. Um, we just finished a 30-day challenge for the next record. And on, on Bound to Be, kept starting the 30-day challenge and would, wouldn't make it past like seven days. So I'd restart. And it oh, okay. restarted like many times. So we ended up having like 60 or more, 60, 70, 80 bits and pieces of songs. Whoa. So, I mean, just too many actually. So... We basically had to sit down and organize and, and make notes and kind of get these bits and pieces. Okay, here's a pile of courses. I had to like actually get pieces of paper and write them down. Okay, this is you know this is voice memo, and you write the date, and write okay chorus idea, or and you write maybe the key, and then you have these little piles of papers to kind of put stuff together. And um, I've never really written that way before, um, and I would I think it worked out well a lot of the time and but i'm not sure i'd want to do it that way exclusively again i mean i mean um shady town's chorus was different than the verse so that's there's probably half the songs on this record were kind of pieced together interesting Um, what we do is we we piece those together and then and then put the final touches on it right we would then we would nail down the melodies and the lyrics and things like that but kind of just foundationally a lot of it was structured that way and it's hard for us too because we're kind of that's kind of how we've we write now is just kind of acoustic guitar and so then the next the next step in trying to figure out how this record's going to sound or any of the records are going to sound is how do we get away from that you know how do we not sound like the gin blossoms it always sounds we always say gin blossoms because everything's just <laughs> like oh shit you know, strummy yeah. strum strum right yeah <laughs> And, uh, or, you know, Tom Petty, whatever it sounds like that. And so we're trying to shy away from that. Um, but on this record, a couple of the songs we left acoustic guitar driven. And so I think that's something people kind of are noticing on this record too. There's a couple of songs that kind of sound, uh, I don't don't even want to say the sound, the word rootsy or Americana, because I'm not really into that type of music. That makes sense though. But, um, so yeah, who knows like wh- where we're gonna go from here with this right. same kind of setup? I, I predict like nine inch nails kind of thing. <laughs> Acoustic. 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 With heavy Unplugged electric drums. <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, wait. When you write, this is this is ninety um, percent a serious question because I do want to know what it's like, but if it's gonna, if it's gonna cause some unwanted tension we can skip it um 
when you have a kind of a love letter song, mm-hmm. are you writing them to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Because we would know if we weren't, and that would feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. And, the, and then the kind of dumb question is, what's that like? Because most people just send their love letters out. Most songwriters send their love letters out to everyone. You guys are doing both. Yeah. I guess we just sort of take it for granted. That, But it's funny when we show each other lyrics. Yeah. We'll that's, like, what's that mean? Yeah. And um, so we'll kind of interrogate each other's lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is kind of awkward because Brian has a lot of songs that are like love onk songs. And certainly the majority of them are not about me. Well, <laughs> so, some that's, of them were. Until, yeah, until we got together. <laughs> I yeah. stopped writing songs about other girls once I got together with Heather. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But and the, the, the irony is that a lot of those were kind of conjured up. I wouldn't. I wasn't actually. A lot of them. I wasn't even actually in a relationship at the time. But I just knew that I wrote better when I wrote really sad, depressing songs. Mm-hmm. And so I would like, you know, get some wine and my guitar and like, I'm, I'm single and alone and lonely. And I'd be like, <laughs> okay okay, how can I conjure up some kind of like terrible feeling so that I could write a good emotional song? I, I right. didn't like writing happy songs. It just, I, for me, that's not, that's not how I, what I associate with like rock music. So, right. Um, we all like a good summer song, right? And I think actually Shady Town <laughs> kind of sounds like that's kind of a good summery driving song. It but does. The lyrics are a little, a little darker than you realize. Um, <clears throat> So it's different now. Um, I don't write sad songs about Heather mm-hmm. and I don't like writing happy songs. So I'm kind of stuck. Um, <laughs> I actually wrote I like... a song about my dad on this record though. That seems like it's a lot a, a song about a relationship. But oh. It's about my dad. What song? Trophy. Oh, it's pretty fucked up to say. Yeah. I forget how we met yeah. to dad. <laughs> I don't know. It is. But it's it's interesting to like mine the material of the relationship still, but to try to do it in more oblique and like metaphysical mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Because you can't talk about taking out the trash or whatever. No. You ever write songs about the kids? Yeah. Three Stars was about the kids on the first record. Yeah. It's the, uh, well, it was about my family. It was about my three boys, Brian and <laughs> Lou and Ned. And, um, it's super emo and sad and still makes me cry to hear it. Oh yeah. But they have a guest, the kids have like cameos on both records. Right? Cool. They have it on this one. I think so. <laughs> well, the hand claps are all sampled from the family sitting around a microphone clapping. <laughs> I think of it more like sympathy for the devil when they all stood around in like ponchos. And right. Went, Ooh, and then we uh what's their pub cut what do you do with your kids do you give them a good deal or you give them at all or nothing one dollar <laughs> practice all your shady music business with your kids exactly um well congratulations on this record it's rad i love it thank you oh, very much. thank you what's the plan to share it with people live we're going on the radio tomorrow. You are? Yeah, Portland Radio Project. All right. Will be our first show for this. 
and we don't have any touring planned. We're not sure what the plan is because we're right now in that awful crossroads of like, do we, will we feel behind on record number three, but mm. we want to play shows. So we're just sort of All grappling right. with that right now. Yeah. It always seems to be about a year behind with um, the schedule. It's, <laughs> so we're now kind of on the a solid, you know, record every two years, but I think we're already going to push this one probably would take maybe two and a half, but we'll see. I mean, I think we kind of, we're recording drums every October, every other October, <laughs> and we're a little bit behind schedule to have that happen, but. All right. Well, yeah, we want to play though. We want to play. I want to see We need it. a drummer. Okay. Well, I'm, I only have four more weeks of this tour and I'll be, have a little time off. All right. Well, congrats again. Um, I'm going to let you go. I hope Thank to see you, so you guys much. somewhere, somewhere on the yes. I-5 corridor. <clears throat> we can high five at Mrs. Beasley's. Yes. I have a trip planned to go to Portland. I have a, uh, about 500 catalytic converters that I need to sell. <laughs> we know a guy. Yeah. Okay. We see him once in a while. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thanks again. Really thank fun you, talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. So. Yeah. Let's do it next week. Do it okay. Next. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, bye. Thank you, Joe. Bye. Bye. It's not far away. We're closing our eyes to see. It's not far away. It's hers and it's history. It's not far away. But still it's not far away So maybe at last we will It's not far away I'll ask you to go with me It's not far away What's already been will be It's not far away I don't want to leave with you It's not far away I just want to leave with you It's not far away Not far away Far away, passing the worst, and it's not far away.